Yeah, so <clears throat> I don't know a lot about dinosaurs in general, but I knew that was wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Castle Bravo, a Godzillaverse retrospective. I'm Derek. And I'm Charlotte. And we're two siblings here to examine the history of the Godzilla franchise one movie at a time. Charlotte. Yeah? How are we doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Actually got to see some people yesterday. Yeah! We got to hang out for the first time in, like, forever, non-wedding related. It was a great time. I got, yeah, I got destroyed good. at some card games. We ate way too much chips and queso and salsa. Yeah, salsa yeah. for me, of course. Yes. I can't have cheese. That's right, you can't have cheese. I, I, I never actually forget that. It's just that every time you bring that up, it, it breaks my heart for you a tiny bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some good fake cheeses, okay? Yeah. But this is not a cheese podcast, so. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, that's don't, don't spoil where we're going with this. <laughs> So Castle Bravo is a podcast where Charlotte and I sit and go through the history of the Godzilla franchise movie by movie, and we are not reviewing these movies so much as we're kind of re-experiencing them, and in Charlotte's case, often experiencing them for the first time, and stringing together kind of a meta-narrative about how this franchise became what it is today, based on how each movie advanced and what it meant for its time. Uh, some of these movies are going to be political, and we will talk about the politics when they come up. Um, that's not happening this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Charlotte, um, so today's movie is, (laughs) so today's movie is the direct sequel to the original Godzilla, is 1955's Godzilla Raids Again. It is the only movie in this first season of Castle Bravo not directed by original Godzilla creator and director Ishiro Honda. This is directed, I can tell. This is directed oof, uh, by <laughs> Motoyoshi Oda, who by all accounts seems to be a solid director. It, it may not always show in this particular movie. Charlotte, why don't you tell us a little bit about Godzilla Raids again? Okay, so in Godzilla Raids again, uh, the movie starts and there's some people in planes tracking fish. Kobayashi and Tsukioka. Is that a thing that I, I guess that's a thing that happened back in the day for fishing ships? Is you'd have I honestly like was little unclear. Yeah, little what they planes were being like, "Hey, there's fish here. Send the fishing boats over here." Like that's what I assumed they were doing. I don't think it was like a for science thing. I think they were like spotters for fishing boats. Yeah, I think so too. The thing is, they called them bonitos, and I didn't know what a bonito was. Uh, it's kind of fish. And they didn't expressly state that they were a fish until like three-fourths of the way through the movie, and I was like, oh. Do you not know about like the dried bonito flakes? No. Yeah, it's the little red flakies that are on top of a lot of Japanese food. They wriggle when they get oh. wet. Oh. Yeah. Now okay, you know. I think the I red know exactly thing. where I've seen them. Right. But okay. Yeah, bonitos are a type of fish. Yeah. Okay. So, Kobayashi's plain... The engine starts stalling. He has to make an emergency landing to a nearby island. Uh, Sukioka has to go pick them up. And while they're there, Godzilla is there fighting a dinosaur. Which is interesting because Godzilla definitely died in the last movie. Right. So upon seeing this, they all go back and they convene with Dr. Yamane from the first movie. And they determine that it was an ankylosaurus and they call it Anguirus. Yeah. So that's hold on. I got some shit to say about this part. If I okay. may interject, because no, I, I was a dinosaur kid, for sure. 
I think many of us were. I don't think that's that unusual of a thing to have been. And it's very clear that Anguirus is is somewhat patterned off of Ankylosaurus, right? I mean, you have this quadruped dinosaur with the shell and the spikes and all of that stuff. But man, they just go, oh, yeah, it's also sometimes called Anguirus, but it's also Godzilla sized, which that's the thing. They don't say this is something similar to Ankylosaurus. They say this is an Ankylosaurus. They just say Ankylosaurus was also famously carnivorous and like 50 meters long, which it was not. Right. Man. Uh, And like this movie really has a lot of gall to be like, yeah, uh, all of our information came from Polish paleontologists (laughs) who say say all of these things. They've informed us all of these traits of the Ankylosaurus. It's 50 meters long and carnivorous. I have questions about Polish paleontology. That's my first question is like, first off, don't blame the Polish for this. But also, <laughs> secondly, like, I just, Polish paleontologists, that has to be a great field of study. I just imagine <laughs> these dudes sitting around in a basement, like, just getting fucked up and just <laughs> making shit up to mess with the Japanese. Like, yeah, they're asking us about Stegosaurus now. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, tell them it uh, fucking ate trees, man. <laughs> Tell him it breathed Jeez. fire. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, I just have to interject because that scene broke me. Yeah, so <clears throat> I don't know a lot about dinosaurs in general, but I knew that was wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> um so Dr. Yamane says, okay, well, this has to be a different Godzilla from the first. And I guess Anguirus was also awakened by the blast as well. I I don't know if they make it clear how the time difference between these movies, but it seems like it's pretty shortly after the first one. Yeah, it can't be long. Yeah. So they discuss how they've decided that Godzilla is attracted to light because it essentially, Godzilla has PTSD from the blasts and lights give him reminders of that. Shouldn't it work the other way around then? Shouldn't they use flares to like drive him away rather than attract him somewhere else? You would think, but that's not what they do. So they decide they're going to use those flares to draw Godzilla away from the, from the coast. And then this next section of the movie is just about the people. Hidemi, who is like somebody who coordinates the planes, she's with Sukioka. They go out dancing, and then Osaka has to turn off all of its power to avoid drawing Godzilla there because they determined that Godzilla's back. And then there's an entire chase scene where these criminals take over, well, they, they escape from the van they're in. Right. And then they take an oil truck and just drive it directly into some kind of a processing plant, which causes a huge explosion. And then Godzilla starts going in that direction. I do love that we have this very lengthy subplot about these prisoners busting out and stealing this oil truck and accidentally driving it into the whatever like refinery this is. And the thing is, they. They go forward for a long time. That was a series of decisions yeah. where they decided not to turn at all. <laughs> the, the, the shot where they like drive up off, like they hit the, the thing and ramp off it and flip the truck. And it's like, it's clearly a model, right. which I don't think is a bad thing. A lot of the effects work in these movies is miniature scale models. You obviously are not at this point in Japan 
crashing an oil truck for real. <laughs> but you'd think you would do something to like make it feel bigger scale and weightier, right? Yeah. It, it's you slow the footage down a little bit and, and make it look like it takes longer for it to launch and land. But it definitely looks like a toy truck yeah. getting like thrown. <laughs> And that's, and that's okay. <laughs> it's just great. I just loved it. I don't, it's not a criticism. I just loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Godzilla starts going towards the explosion and just starts wrecking stuff. And then Anguirus shows up and they fight for a while. And it's very early people in suits fighting. They're kind of jiggling around. Anguirus does these head flicks. We got to talk about these <laughs> fights because there's, yeah, the action's awful. I mean, they basically are just like, it's like watching two toddlers like <laughs> grab each other's shirts and just shake each other for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's not I mean, very good. There's a lot of like, of, of, puppet monster heads, like with mouths open being slapped against each other. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, there's some big, like, kids smacking his action figures together energy here. It does <laughs> yeah. not help that the fight footage, all of the footage of these fights between Godzilla and Anguirus is heavily undercranked. Are you familiar with the process of undercranking film? Um, I'm not familiar with the process, but I think I know okay. what the outcome so tends to look like. So, for listeners, undercranking footage is when you shoot, most film is shot at 24 frames per second, so 24 individual frames of film per second create your movement when you undercrank you shoot the film slower than that 20 frames per second 16 frames per second something like that and then when you play it back at a 24 frames per second speed on like a projector it ends up looking like things are moving faster than you filmed them that famously used to happen a lot of like old martial arts movies they would just undercrank the footage a little bit in order to make the martial artists in you know in their fight scenes move faster Bruce Lee famously accused of doing that uh, very frequently. And no, it, that is not the case. He just moved that fucking fast. A lot of Godzilla movies down the road will actually overcrank their fights. In other words, they will film at a higher than 24 frame per second rate, maybe like 30. And then when they play it back, it's just a little bit slower and weightier and more ponderous. And it makes it look like to scale, that these are bigger things moving, that, that it takes them longer to fall because they are that much bigger. That's not what they do in this. No. They undercrank the footage and they move very, very. I don't. Like I said, they just kind of jiggle. It's very like quick and jerky and rapid and shaky and weird. And it doesn't look. It really does look like two toddlers grabbed each other and started vibrating <laughs> while rolling around. I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, it's not good. No. No, not at all. Um, and yeah, like you bring up Anguirus head flicks. Like there's a bit where like Godzilla uses the atomic breath on Anguirus and Anguirus just kind of like takes it in the face and just kind of yeah. does this like eyes shut little head shake. Like, oh, that smelled awful. Like that's really it was almost <laughs> hilarious. He does this like weird head roll thing like multiple times, like as if to say, fight me, you bipedal bitch. Right. But it's 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 very comical, but it's not very good. <laughs> Honestly, I laughed through the entire fight scene once they started. I think it's hilarious. I think this movie's very funny. It's just very unintentionally funny. Yeah. I don't think they were trying to be. No, this they but. were trying to be serious. And and you can you can tell because of some of the decisions around Godzilla, which we'll get into after the plot summary's done. But yeah, this right. fight is a mess. And then, so at, right after the fight, and I think we're like a third of the way into the movie. 
Godzilla bites down on Anguirus' neck, throws him into the water, and burns him, and he's dead. Well, so do they actually say that Anguirus is dead, or is Anguirus just out of the movie from that point? Well, he's just out of the movie at that point, yeah. but like, like it's, it's, he was It's burned. clearly intended that Anguirus died, but Anguirus shows up in future movies, so like, you know, well, it and it's, been not, a it's not stated to be a second one or anything, so like, I don't know. But also, like, Anguirus survives some really heavy shit in a lot of these movies. So I think kind of the argument that a lot of fans would make is, like, Anguirus just gets his ass kicked and gets sent to Monster Hospital a lot. <laughs> I see. So, but anyway, yeah, uh, you're halfway through the movie, and the other monster of the movie is dead. Yeah. Or, or, or out of commission. And the, the pacing, anyway. Because <laughs> we'll yeah, then that. you get into, like, Okay, now the movie's over, and now we have this extended sequence of partying. <laughs> right. So Godzilla leaves. Like, after doing the thing, Garris, Godzilla just leaves. And then they have to start fixing Osaka. So during this, Kobayashi has to go to Hokkaido, which is, like, very, very hot north Japan. And he meets up with his college buddies, and then Sukioka and Hidemi show up, and they're all just drinking with their college buddies for, like, 20, 25 minutes. It may not be exactly that long, but it felt that long. And then somebody just cuts it short. They come in and say, hey, a ship's been destroyed. Godzilla is up here. So then they start. <laughs> like, oh, going yeah, out we didn't do anything about Godzilla. Fuck. Yeah, they just leave Godzilla down there. And then Godzilla follows them. So uh, Godzilla has destroyed a ship. So they go and search for him. Sukioka spots him, but he doesn't have enough gas. So he goes back. Kobayashi goes and finds Godzilla instead. Godzilla is pouting on a he's on a straight up in the corner covered. It's <laughs> just a quarter of like ice and snow. And Godzilla's just standing there. And... You sent me a screen cap of that shot from above of him standing in the corner going, no talk me. I'm angry. I angry. I angry. <laughs> so, so then the Air Force arrives. They bomb the island. There's an avalanche. Godzilla's buried in ice. And they go. Well, boys, we did it. <laughs> we sure did the <laughs> thing. The <laughs> it's uh, it, oh, it's not and that great. doesn't even get into the weird love triangle of this one. I don't even think there's a love triangle. Like it's Hidemi and Tsukioka, the 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 boss's daughter who does some of the like kind of radio work, and then the one of the plane um, pilots. That's the word. I was like, what what is the word for the, a plane the driver? Handsomer plane man. Yes. You know, or clearly have a thing, but then like Kobayashi clearly has an unrequited love for Hidemi, or at least that's how the movie presents it. I definitely think it's much grosser and creepier from a modern context that he's like, it is very oh, yeah, creepy. I have a girl. Uh, yeah, I keep a photo of her in my wallet and then it's her. And it's and like, it's she doesn't know that. That's weird. <laughs> why? Why do you have a photo of a girl you're not dating in your wallet? In a, like of your buddy's girlfriend like that's fucked my guy but yeah and and this dude like godzilla is just destroying everything and like Tsukioka has found him and needs to be like kobayashi needs to take over but kobayashi takes like five minutes to go aside with hidemi and be like so what a girl's like what would make me what, what do you like it's like that <laughs> <laughs> and, just, uh. and then he dies he sacrifices himself for the mission uh, at the end yeah. so like he's a, I don't know he's not a bad guy but he's definitely like the weird hanger on <laughs> just so that there would yeah. be you know what it is is there was a there is a love triangle in the first Godzilla between the fisherman Ogata and uh, Sirizawa and um, Amiko Yamane and they wanted another love triangle but 
because the first one had one. That's what the, that's what it feels yeah, like. That's what I figured. So whew, let's talk about the monsters. First up, Godzilla back, of course. I mentioned earlier, we mentioned that I don't think this movie is intended to be like funny. I do think they intended this to be serious. And I think you can see that in Godzilla. This is a new suit for Godzilla. It is if from looks nice from what I've read, it's roughly half the weight of the first Godzilla suit. So it's still a hundred pound suit. (laughs) It is much slimmer than the original Godzilla for sure. It keeps a lot of the same design decisions in terms of the 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 scale pattern and the weird teeth. Um, The eyes are bigger, which is an interesting choice. And there's some weird cryptid energy off Godzilla in this movie, right? Like, it's not just me. Yeah, no. There's definitely a lot of scenes where Godzilla's, like, hovering around looking at shit, and there's some very big, like, Bigfoot at a gas station kind of energy going, like... (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's weird, and it's a tiny bit creepy how much Godzilla will, like, hover and kind of look at shit and seem just a little bit other and out of place. And I do think that was intentional. This is great shot towards the end of the movie where they've done one round of planes coming in and trying to like shoot down ice to like bury Godzilla and Godzilla's getting back up and you get this great Mm -hmm. close up shot on Godzilla's face as he kind of pulls out of the ice a bit and like rests for a moment and kind of like looks around. You get a close up on the face and the eyes actually open up and the pupils like track side to side a bit to like look for something. Or, or not even looking for something so much as just kind of like that dazed, you know, getting your bearings. Yeah. It's so quiet and so weird. It's definitely some very eerie, yeah, cryptid energy off Godzilla is the best I got to explain. Yeah. But no, I like I feel that. I like that. This is almost one of the only movies that really catches that kind of energy off Godzilla. And I think that's really cool. That's a credit to this movie. I'm going to give it. But other than that, it's it's, you know, not much to say. It's a slimmer, kind of weirder, more socially awkward Godzilla who ends up seeming like like footage of of the thing and signs. You know what I mean? Right. I don't think they ever discuss why Godzilla and Angiris are fighting or if it's just because they're just just big dinosaurs. They're just big dinosaurs that hate each other from a long time back, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Fans don't have a great explanation for it. Anguirus is definitely really scrappy in every single movie. So maybe it's just that Godzilla whooped Anguirus' ass and Anguirus was like, you know what? That was good shit. Me and you were buddies now. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not evil. You're just you just whooped my ass. And maybe I maybe I deserve that. I don't know, because Anguirus kind of becomes like the Krillin to Godzilla in a couple movies down the road. Oh, OK. To make a completely different, you know, multimedia franchise reference here. He's definitely the Robin to Godzilla's Batman in a couple of movies. But it's really interesting. Okay. Angiris is uh, kind of this is the only movie where Angiris fights Godzilla. Angiris does not fare well. He gets his ass whooped no. left and right. And yet Angiris tanks the atomic breath, gets it in the face and just kind of shakes it off. Like, why are you doing this? Why did you sneeze in yeah, my face? I thought that was weird. I mean, to be fair, if you bite the fuck out of somebody's neck and spine, they're going down, even if they maybe are not that affected by heat rays or whatever. I don't know. Right. Superhero nonsense. <laughs> Anguirus also. So Anguirus in a lot of modern media and like games has this sonic roar ability that people tend to think kind of got created for like video games and shit, even though it's definitely been mm-hmm. very consistent. But there's also 
definitely like a hint of it in this movie. And I don't know if it's intended to be like a superpower thing or a just this thing is roaring so loud, which I guess is the same thing in this example. But Angiris roars at one point, like very long and very loud. And you get like a close up on the Osaka castle as it begins to crack from the force of the roar. So I don't know that it's meant to be like a thing that goes under the powers and abilities entry in a Wikipedia article, but Angiris roars loud enough for Osaka Castle to crack. So that's got to count for something. And that was a cool shot. Yeah. So. And Angiris is a, is a kind of a fun monster design. Like it's weird. It's very, he's like a, a an ankylosaurus crocodile dog thing. Like, <laughs> you know, he's got like the shell. One thing that's really interesting is, I don't know if you noticed this, but, Angira's shell is broken into two halves. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, notice. it's it's almost like like beetle wings. You know, if you ever seen like huh. a long beetle, how the, the their yeah. shell in the back is segmented in two. And I don't know if that was intended to be a thing and part of the design or if that's just a limitation of the suit that that needed to have that break in the shell. And it was held close enough together that it was like, oh, it's a one shell piece, but it needed to to provide the actor in the suit mobility. Because I do imagine having a giant shell strapped to your back would limit your ability to latch on to another grown man in a suit and vibrate quickly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I like Angiris. Angiris' suit design will be heavily refined for later appearances, but um, I do still think it's kind of an interesting design, an interesting suit in this in this first movie that Angiris appears in. So we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this movie is from a different director. Ishiro Honda, after doing Godzilla, moved on to a bunch of other projects. I mean, we have how many movies in this season? Like 13 or 14? Yeah, and something like that. I want to say five of them feature Godzilla at all. So Honda's busy. Uh, He's got a lot of shit to do with his career that is not Godzilla. I guess Godzilla was successful enough that Toho really desperately wanted a sequel, and they got uh, Oda to come in and fill in for Honda in this case. I don't think Honda was so deeply and specifically attached to Godzilla that Honda was like, how dare you make a movie without me or anything. But I do think it's notable that Honda would be given every Godzilla movie up to shit. Let me look it up again. How long is it until a Godzilla movie or a movie featuring Godzilla is not directed by Honda again? Yeah, it's not until 1966 that another director gets their hands on Godzilla. And in fairness to that movie, Ibira Horror of the Deep, that was originally not a Godzilla movie. That was originally going to be starring a completely different lead monster. We will get into that sometime early in season two. But uh, yeah, Honda, Honda gets Godzilla back for a while because it's pretty clear that Honda's vision and Honda's kind of take is better for the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Subaraya was still there for special effects. And oh, OK. Yeah. Subaraya doesn't leave uh, until that that movie that I just referenced to buy a horror of the deep. You see the advancement in the special effects in this movie. The main problem is direction, right? It's how the fight scenes were shot. It's how you tell the actors to fight and how you choose to film that. You can put the best suits, and the best pyrotechnics and the best scale models together. It just doesn't mean much if you don't if you don't shoot it right. Right. So if the, if the pacing is off. But maybe um, maybe this movie needed to try that. Maybe this movie needed to try that approach with the kind of undercranked fight scenes and the, you know, very like rough 
you know, animalistic. You know, it really does just look like two animals like colliding together. Needed to try that in order for future movies to know not to do that. Yeah. And I mean, on, on paper, you know, you saying it's two animals clashing together. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, in a way, like if you look at the modern, like the legendary Godzilla movies, it's the same approach on paper that they went back to look at like bears and things to decide on how Godzilla should fight. And they wanted to have this very like animals clashing together kind of approach to a lot of the fights. But, you know, differences of modern like fight choreography. It just it's just a very different world. You can do a lot more with CGI than you can with two dudes in suits. You know, True. the tools you have determine how you how you shoot a movie. So we had a lot to talk about politics and themes of the original Godzilla. I don't I don't have <laughs> anything here. <laughs> I looked I, I, I did the annoying thing where I tried to overeat into everything. The closest I could get is and I do think this at least was intentional because I don't think it's much of a stretch. But the bit where they have to tell all of Osaka to turn off all their power and all their lights so that Godzilla doesn't come. Yeah. That seems to remind me a lot of like during World War II, because England had to do the same thing. A lot of countries had to do the same thing where you would turn off all the lights in order to not be spotted by bomber squadrons from, you know, an enemy nation. Because oh, yeah. Americans did bomb the shit, not with nuclear bombs, just like firebombing the shit out of some Japanese cities. Yeah, that happened. That's kind of what that reminded me of was like, turn off, turn off all the lights. So Godzilla doesn't see and come is, is the exact same as turn off all the lights. So the Americans don't know to drop their bombs here, but like nothing's done with that. You know what I mean? No. I've made that connection as to like, Oh, that's what that reminds me of. But nothing greater is done with that. Unlike the first movie, which has a whole lot to say that interconnects with itself. Yeah. I don't know. This is, I don't know. Uh... This shirt, this is, I think, the movie that people think the original Godzilla is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think people think they're going to watch an old black and white Godzilla movie and it's going to be a monster stomping around a city and and a whole lot of not much going on. And that's that's this one. Actually, the first one's a masterpiece. And this is a a, a rough follow up. It's still kind of fun. It's still campy. I laugh my ass off watching it yeah no i was laughing the, the whole yeah, time i was laughing as far as the fight scenes go especially a dumb fucking movie <laughs> but <laughs> but like it is it's not devoid of qualities it's just rough and and like i said oda would continue to to make films for toho uh he has a, a long and storied career in film before and after this movie so i don't think it's anything specifically even where like the director's a bad director this is maybe one of those instances where a director and a movie idea don't fit well and his sensibilities did not work out, you know, compared to the first one. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, Honda really understands Godzilla, like the themes of, of the concept of Godzilla. Yeah. I also just definitely we talked about this in the last episode, but Honda's kind of politics and philosophy of kind of global humanism, of framing everything in terms of mankind's virtues and failures rather than as a statement on nations and peoples. There's something that has a very classical kind of optimistic sci-fi tone to that, that you start to feel through a lot of these movies, even, even the ones he doesn't direct because by later in the sixties and seventies, when Honda's not directing any more of these Godzilla movies, other directors have still looked at five, six different Honda directed Godzilla films and a bunch of other connected non-Godzilla films 
from Honda with the same tone, and they're now aping that. But we don't have any of that here because that consistent tone hadn't really been a, made a pattern of yet. Right. So they had one movie. Yeah. So, you know, and Honda directed other movies before now, but nothing really compares to the, the juggernaut that this franchise becomes down the road. Right. So, yeah, we've kind of talked about it. What did we like? It's a funny ass movie unintentionally. It's hilarious. Yeah. Honestly, I, I mean, I was I was I was cackling like an idiot in, in several scenes, uh, just having the time of my life. I do think that there is some really cool, memorable shots in the movie. I think it's cool to see them destroy like the castle in Osaka. I love that shot of Godzilla getting up after the first round of ice is dropped on him. And you get that great, very technical close up with the moving eyes. Yeah. But it's also just kind of a messy movie. It doesn't really know what it's doing. It doesn't have a lot of point. Uh, it's not particularly fun or full of spectacle. You know, there's a there's a 10 minute yeah. prisoner car chase and there's <laughs> and there's a 20 minute party scene. Like, I just don't know. You know, <sighs> there is a great scene where all of the uh, all of the cops try to shoot at Godzilla and Anguirus with their little Little tiny pistols. Yeah, that does happen. I was like, y'all ain't doing shit. You know that, right? Like that pistol wouldn't stop a particularly large person. <laughs> Much less so, Godzilla. You remember the thing you disliked about the first movie where the jets were just firing and it was just going yeah, off into the ocean? Yeah. So they they kind of do that scene again with the avalanche yeah. thing because it goes on for a while. But at least they, they're like, they shooting shoot at some... ice. At least they're they're hitting the thing they're shooting at. But that does go right, on too long. Right, but I long. still feel like it goes on forever. Like th there's a whole round of that scene where they're they're shooting at ice, almost at random, and then it cuts away. And Tajima, the commander, is like, "Wait, we should shoot here." And so they just do it again, <laughs> and they just shoot in a different spot, and then the ice buries Godzilla. Yo, we could add five. <laughs> minutes of runtime by just padding the sequence of airplanes people love airplanes let's go <laughs> like yeah that does kind of happen that, that was like a the only I, sh I guess i should have mentioned this when we were talking about it but the only like polit political theming thing i could think of was during that moment i was like oh look it's it's the military doing a cool thing but that's that was it yeah there's definitely an amount of that that happens through these movies there's definitely a lot of like SDF, you know, self-defense force worship mm -hmm. a little bit. And they give the Japanese SDF like fucking lasers and shit, which is incredible. <laughs> it's great. I love it. But usually the movies are pretty good about being like, yo, all of these things are really cool. They're also completely ineffective against giant monsters. And it's not like worshiping the military complex. Right. I think it's also a little bit easier when you consider that Japan's got a self-defense force and not a standing army. So it's it is a bit of a different perspective when you see this hardware being used on Japanese soil to defend Japanese cities versus it's kind of weird when they're like, here's this ice island, wherever it is. I mean, it would have been near Hokkaido. And we're going to we're going to blow the fuck out of a mountain. <laughs> Yeah. Fuck that mountain and in like, particular. I, yeah. So it, it does leave me curious about where they're going with that because I mean, I don't Godzilla's not dead, I don't think is No, Godzilla's explicitly cold. not dead. <laughs> this so this gets into kind of where does this fit into our overall timeline? 
we have been introduced to the actual Godzilla that we will be following through the 50s, 60s, and 70s, all through this Showa era of Godzilla films, this whole timeline. So you will notice that like this Godzilla is definitely portrayed much less antagonistically than the first movie's Godzilla. We're we're not full on Godzilla friend of kids giant scaly cookie monster territory, but like the first Godzilla was a horrifying monster that needed to be put down for the good of all mankind and it's it was a creature in pain and its death was sad. And this is like, fuck, it's hurricane season, you know? Yeah, yeah. This one was even more of a natural disaster. We'll bury him in ice and we'll deal with him later if he comes back. Like, whatever, you know? Also, Godzilla's not even the only monster, so fuck. You'd think they'd be more concerned about that. Yeah, you'd think somebody There's another monster would be like, now. hey, remember how big of a deal it was, you know, when this 50 meter tall reptile crawled from the sea and destroyed Tokyo? It turns out that all along, Ankylosaurus was 50 meters long and carnivorous, according to the Polish. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, at that point, I'd be like, what else is about to pop up? Don't worry. Plenty of things. This is kind of I, I don't want to constantly compare things to Marvel, but with the MCU being maybe the biggest and best example of a cinematic universe in modern history. And with the arguments I'm trying to make that like, hey, Godzilla was doing a lot of the same stuff the MCU did in terms of structure decades before. If Godzilla is the Iron Man in this situation of like the first one we're introduced to and then suddenly shit's popping up everywhere. The same thing's going on here. We're just going to get introduced to monster after monster for one reason or another. And eventually it's just going to become like, oh, shit, where'd this one come from? Dope. <laughs> okay. So yeah, this will be uh this is this is kind of a messy movie and it's not deeply important, but it does introduce our second Godzilla, who we will be following for the next two seasons of Castle Bravo, you know, uh-huh. on and off. So I don't know. And Angiris. And Angiris, right, who will pop up from time to time. That's what I've got. Do you have any more uh kind of closing things to touch on before we close out? Um if you are into a girl who is already engaged to someone, um, don't be a creep. That's, that's it. A good, that's a good statement. I agree with that <laughs> wholeheartedly. That is a wrap on this episode. Thank you all so much for joining us both on our journey and for this film specifically. Next week, we'll be returning to original Godzilla director Ishiro Honda for the remainder of the season. And this next episode will be the first of our movies to be shot in color, the 1956 film Rodan. You can follow us on Twitter for more of our sparkling personalities. I'm at Derby City Derek. And I'm Visero Complex. That's like Viscera, but with an O at the end and a complex. And you can follow the show itself at Castle Bravo Pod for production updates. Take care, everyone. Castle Bravo is a production of Derek Van Dyke and Charlotte Landale. All editing is performed by Derek Van Dyke. Special thanks to Julianne Lamont for designing our original art assets, and to David Van Dyke for providing our theme song, Pools of Memory.